today we're going to be uh, continuing our series, Unshakable Message. And I believe that if we're going to have an unshakable message as Christians, if we say this is the foundation that we're going to stand on, then we need to also know about our unshakable messenger. And so that's where our focus is going to be today. If you have your Bible, we're going to look in Matthew chapter 16, and we'll look in verse number 13 in just a few moments. But today what we're doing is we're just simply talking about uh, the identity of Jesus. You know, who do, who do people say that Jesus is? You know, what's so important about him? And I think we need to learn how to correctly identify him and know who he is so that his word can impact and make a difference in our lives. Now, now we all know that correctly identifying something is, is really important. And I will, I will give you an example. I have, a, I have a bunch of examples, but I'll just share one with you. I don't recommend this, uh, but this is what, um, what I sometimes do is when I'm driving down the road sometimes, and I'm not a really busy road, but maybe like Rhymer Pond or something, or on a long town road, if I see somebody I recognize, and maybe they don't recognize me, I will, I will just kind of get my car and, and you know, I'll just sort of, you know, kind of veer it over at them just a little bit, and uh, just to kind of get their attention and wave at them, and, and uh, you know, because it's all, it's so fun. And so I don't, I don't recommend that for everybody. So I was, I was driving home one day, I was coming out of the office, and I was coming down the road, and I saw a guy from church, um, who no longer goes here, but this is not why, uh, but he no longer goes here, but he drove a a gray Dodge Ram, and he has a, a, a license tag on the front. It's Ohio State, so he has moved back to Ohio, uh, and he wants to be back here again because he can't believe he actually moved back. But anyway, so there's this Ohio State thing, and I said, oh, that's Dan. He doesn't recognize it's me, and so I'm driving along, and so I thought I would just sort of, you know, let him know I was here, and so I, I kind of pulled my car over into his lane and, uh, and then laid on my horn, you know, thinking that would be fun. He didn't think it was fun, and uh, so he, uh, as a matter of fact, he rolled down his window, and he waved at me, but not in a good way, you know, and so I was like, good night, Dan has lost his mind, and so as he's coming by, I'm looking at him, and I was like, that ain't Dan, um, so that was, that was not good, so, uh, and so now I still see the guy driving around in Long Creek neighborhood, and I just put my head down when I go by, and so it's horrible. So we know this. We know that when you, when you do stuff, and I don't recommend that, but when you do stuff, you know, make sure that you correctly identify someone, because if you don't, then there can be, you know, there can be some trouble. Now, in our text, spiritually speaking, I think there are a lot of people who, who think they know Jesus, and they kind of identify him in some different ways. And we identify him, you know, he's a good guy, he's a good example, he taught us some good things, but we don't completely identify a very important fact about Jesus, and that is that he is the Son of God. And for us to understand and to experience the power of Jesus, y'all, we have to correctly identify who he is. And so today in our passage of scripture, we're going to see Jesus having a really important conversation with his disciples. And, and that important conversation that he was having with them is, do you guys really know my identity? And he wanted them to know truly who he was so that they could experience the power of God in their lives. And so that's why we're going to look today in Matthew 16. And uh, just a little background information you know, it's Matthew 16, so 15 chapters have happened before. And at this point in Jesus' life, 
I mean, people recognize that there's something different and significant about Jesus. I mean, he's an incredible teacher. I mean, he taught differently than everybody else. And I think a few weeks ago, I shared this with you, that when people heard him teach, they paid attention because he was one who taught with authority. He, he was one who taught like he knew what he was talking about. He spoke words from God, and the people recognized that. And then to top it off, Jesus also was performing miracles. I mean, he was healing people. He was changing people's lives. And so people, as they looked at Jesus, they're trying to identify who he is. They're like, is this guy, is this guy a prophet? Is he somebody who's just really gifted? You know, what is the story about Jesus? And so that's why today in our text we're going to see what the real identity of Jesus is. And we're going to see how the people, even in Jesus' day, not in our day, but in Jesus' day, how they viewed Jesus, how they identified him. And so that's why we're going to start with this. So how did, the, how did people identify with Jesus? Well, let's start with this, how the world identified Jesus. You know, the people who were living amongst Jesus, who knew about him, we're going to see how they identified with him. Now, now look with me uh, in verse 13. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Now, Jesus was traveling with his disciples, according to verse 13, in an area that was known as Caesarea Philippi. Now, I like geography. I think it's significant. I think it matters. And so, Caesarea Philippi, is, uh, it's in northern Israel. And so, you know, Israel's a little tiny country. And so, if you go up just a little bit north, you're moving towards Syria and the Lebanese border. And there's a lake up in northern Israel that is called the Sea of Galilee. So, y'all are familiar with that. A lot of stuff happened there. But 30 miles north, uh, north of the Sea of Galilee was this region that was known as Caesarea Philippi. And this is where Jesus asked his followers, who do people say that the Son of Man is? In other words, he was saying, well, how do people identify me? You know, when people hear me teach, what, what, are their, what is their, you know, sort of like their thought process about what I'm teaching, about who I am, where I'm from? When people see me perform miracles, what are their thoughts about who I am? Now, like I said, Caesarea Philippi, it's in northern Israel. And, and every year, whenever uh, we have the opportunity to go to Israel, we always go up into Caesarea Philippi, which is in the Golan Heights. You might have heard that in the news before. And so I just wanted to give you a couple of pictures so you can kind of get an idea of what it looks like. So we have a couple of pictures. Uh, this first one, that is my, that is my bride, Emily. And uh, so she's standing uh, in Caesarea Philippi. Now, this is extra, y'all. This is not even in my notes. So this is, this is good here. So y'all see that, you see that cave that's back there? Uh, so there's this little cave back there. And y'all remember the time whenever Jesus said, and it's actually in this chapter, Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Any of y'all, have y'all, are y'all familiar with that? Okay, that little cave, Jesus said this right in this area. And that little cave was considered where the gates of hell were. Isn't that interesting? That doesn't mean anything really for our text today, but that just fascinates me. All right, so that's one picture. Here's another picture of, uh, of uh, Caesarea Philippi. So it's a really rocky 
a really rocky area. It's a, a volcanic area up there. It's not anymore, not active anymore. But so this, I just wanted y'all to take a look at it. I have pictures, and I just want to brag a little bit. Y'all been there? Uh, so anyway, so that's where this is where Jesus asked the question: Who do people say that I am? This is also the area where the headwaters of the Jordan River, where they come from. So the question is, well, why did Jesus ask this question here? Well, Caesarea Philippi, even during this day, it was known as it was known as a place of paganism. It's a place that was known for its immorality. Uh, that that little cave that you saw right next to it, they used to have a big building there. It was a shrine to the Greek god Pan. And so Jesus, in the midst of all this paganism, in, in the midst of a world that didn't even know who the true God was, Jesus asked, who do people say that I am? And so the disciples answered. And they had several different names. They said, well, some say that you were John the Baptist. Others say that you're Elijah or that you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Now, we'll start with John the Baptist. John the Baptist, of course, y'all, y'all remember what happened to John the Baptist? What happened to him? Had his head cut off. Uh, got his head cut off. At this point, that's already happened. Uh, the guy who did it was a man named Herod Antipas who was in charge of this area. And uh, John the Baptist preached a message that was, I mean, he pointed out the king's sin. And so the king, they, they just lopped his head off. Then the king hears about Jesus' teaching, and he thought, oh, my gosh, he sounds just like John the Baptist. In Matthew 14, 2, here's what Herod said. He said, this is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead. That is why miraculous powers are at work in him. So some thought Jesus was reincarnated as John the Baptist. Others thought that Jesus was Elijah. Now, he's from the Old Testament. He was a prophet in the Old Testament. There was a belief that before God came to judge the world, finally, that Elijah, the prophet, would come back and preach. Some people thought that Jesus has come back right before God's getting ready to judge the world. Uh, Others thought that Jesus was Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, there's a book in the Bible called Jeremiah. If you've ever read the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah, an incredible man of God, but man, that is a tough book to read. Because it is, a, it is a book of judgment. I mean, it is like Winnie the Pooh, no, Eeyore, yes. Okay, so you read through that, and you're like, man. And so he, what he's doing is he looks, at, he looks at Israel, and he is, they called him the weeping prophet. He was a guy who was just absolutely distraught over the spiritual condition of Israel. They'd wandered away from God. Okay, Jesus was concerned about his people wandering away from God. So some said that he was Jeremiah the prophet. Others said that maybe he was one of the prophets. So this was just a general idea of who people thought Jesus was. Now, all those names that are mentioned, it's pretty significant. It'd be be like me if I came to one of y'all and I said, who do people say that I am? Y'all said, well, some say Billy Graham. Y'all aren't supposed to laugh. Uh, or some say, you know, Chuck Swindoll. And, and if y'all said those things, I would think, yeah, those are good. I like that. I mean, those are impressive guys. But with Jesus, it's different. And the reason why the guys mentioned in Scripture, they are not on the same level as Jesus. Jesus is different than all those other guys. And, you know, that, that's how the world, many times, that's how we misidentify Jesus. We're willing to kind of give him a nod of the head. Yeah, Jesus, you know, he was a, he was a really good teacher. 
You know, he's a guy that, that, that lived a good life. He's a good example for us to follow, but we're not willing to take that extra step and identify him as to who he truly is, which is we're going to find out that he is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And we don't want to go all in with Jesus in that regard because if you do, here's what happens. If you identify Jesus correctly, then you are saying that there is a God. And if there is a God, then that means that we are going to be held accountable to the way that we live our lives. So what's easy for us to do is say Jesus was a good man, but not go any further than that. Because then we can live like we want to without having to face any kind of repercussions. But identity is important. I read a story, it says in 1978, Prudential was the largest insurance company in the world, and they loaned $160 million to a shipping company. Uh, That that shipping company, they had a lien on eight of their ships for $93 million. Well, as time went on, that shipping company went under, and so Prudential came to collect. Now, what they found out, though, is that the person who wrote, I guess like the... uh, I don't know, like the, the policy or the lien on the $93 million worth of ships, he, he accidentally made a, he made a big mistake. He left off three zeros on that $93 million for those ships. So Prudential, instead of collecting $93 million, they were told, you will get to collect $93,000. I'm guessing that guy probably doesn't have a job anymore. Uh, that is... That, is, that was a big mistake. Now, they worked some things out. They still lost a lot of money. But, you know, there's a lot of people when they identify Jesus, they leave off three zeros. And, y'all, those three zeros, they, they matter when it comes to the identity of Jesus. So, so how did the world identify Jesus? Well, we found out in verse 14. People were willing to say, hey, he was a good guy, but they didn't want to go too far. Now, here's the next identity of Jesus. And then this is what Jesus asked his disciples. How do you identify me? So he asked, how does the world identify Jesus? And he says, how do you identify him? Now look with me in verse number 15. But you, Jesus asked them, who do you say that I am? Now Jesus did this because he is at a turning, excuse me, he's at a turning point in his ministry right here. So, you know, the first 15 chapters of Matthew, he's establishing himself, he's performing miracles, you're beginning to see his teaching, and then you get to chapter 16, and verse number 21, this is where it becomes really different. It says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. So, so right here, we, we are getting, Jesus knows he is moving to the cross. This is what I call the pointy end of Jesus' ministry, right? He's like, hey, guys, I've been spending a lot of time with you, and I want to see how well you understand who I am. I mean, do you guys understand my identity? And it's so important to know his identity correctly because Jesus is going to leave this earth, and he's like, and I'm going to leave all this stuff in your hands, And so I want you to be teaching the correct things about me because if you don't, it's going to lack power. So Jesus had started off by saying, who do others say that I am? And it's easy for us to to delve into the realm of what other people think. 
because it's not, you're not under the gun. When, when, if you ask me, well, you know, what does so-and-so think about you know, some, some political person or some particular football team? I, it, there's no pressure on me. Well, that's what they think. And so I can share with you, and there's no, you know, it doesn't cost me anything to share. You know, Jesus could have stopped there if he wanted to, but then Jesus presses. And then verse 15 happens. He says, but who do you say that I am? Do you know Jesus, is go- he's going to do that with you? Now, we can talk about the world and what the world thinks, or even what the church thinks about Jesus, but it is a very personal question in verse 15 that all of us one day are going to have to answer. Who do you say that I am? So apply that question to yourself. Who do you say, you don't have to answer out loud, but who do you say that Jesus is? Who is Christ in your life? Because it matters how you identify Jesus. Because how you identify him is going to determine the impact he has on your life. And how you identify him is going to determine where you will spend your eternity. Who do you say Jesus is? Because it matters. There's a uh, story of a lady. She was on the road and her car broke down and just it, it wouldn't turn over. And so she's on the side of the road. She called her husband. So I don't know what to do. My car won't start. I'm trying to figure it out. He said, well, it could be, it could be your battery. Maybe your spark plugs aren't any good. I don't know. He said, let me call a, a wrecker to come and pick you up. So called a wrecker. Wrecker goes there, picks her up. They take her car to the garage. And uh, so he meets his wife there. And they're at the mechanic. The mechanic begins to look. He checks the battery. The battery's fine. It's got a full charge. Uh, spark plugs are fine. Uh, they, they run it through the computer system. Everything on the computer system, it said everything was in order. It was working correctly. So they're befuddled until the mechanic checked the fuel injection system, and he realized something. She had no gas. Now, now guys, what gas is to a car, faith is concerning our relationship with Jesus. You know, you can, you can give away a million dollars but if your faith isn't isn't in Jesus it will never be enough to make you good with him you can memorize the entire Bible in Hebrew and Greek but if you do not have a relationship and have correctly identified the son of God who is known as the word of God it will mean nothing see Jesus Jesus is not going to allow us to skirt the identity of who he is. He's going to make us answer the question. And so I, I look into our text. How, how did the world identify Jesus? Well, we see that. And, but then Jesus asked the question, how do you identify Jesus? But I think what's most importantly in how you identify Jesus comes down to this. It is this, how does God identify Jesus? And that's what matters the most. What is God's thoughts on Jesus? Well, look in verse 16. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus responded, Simon, son of Jonah, you are blessed because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. Now, I like this. You know, Peter is probably the, the guy in the Bible, the disciple of Jesus that I look at and I think, I like that guy, but man, he just messes up all the time. Anytime Peter is speaking, almost every time he speaks, it's like, man, he needs to quit talking. Y'all know people like that? Uh, My wife was like, you. 
Uh, so yeah, that's me. So he just speaks, and a lot of times he says stuff. You're like, oh, why is he talking? He doesn't need to talk. I, I think of Peter whenever, y'all remember whenever Jesus is on the, he's walking on the water during the storm, and Peter yells at Jesus, Lord, if it's really you, you know, call me out to you. And Peter hops out of the boat. You know, he's incredible. So he jumps, he walks on water, then he quits looking at Jesus, and he sinks like a rock. Uh, another instance is whenever Jesus and, and Peter, they, they were just getting together, the first time they really knew each other. Peter's a fisherman. He has a boat. And uh, that, that you, back in those days, you fished at night. And so after they fished all night, that's how he made his living. He comes back in during the day, and Jesus comes up to him and says, hey, take me out in the boat, and let's go fishing again. And the story is found in Luke 5, 4 through 7. Jesus said, put out into deep water and let down your net for a catch. Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all, all night long and caught nothing. But that's your word, I'll let down the nets. So when they did this, what happened? They caught a great number of fish. And their nets began to tear. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Now, okay, now here's the, here's the picture. Peter's coming in to wash his nets. He's ready to go to bed. And Jesus says, hey, let's turn around and go back out again. Now, here's, now here it is. Peter's like, okay, Jesus, I'm the professional. You know, I'm a fisherman. You're a carpenter. And you're telling me how to fish? That, that's not going to work. But Jesus, because I like you, Jesus, we'll go out. And he goes out, and what happens? They catch, they catch a ton of fish. And so Peter is like, okay, open mouth, stick my foot in. Another instance, y'all remember, when Jesus is getting, he's going to the cross, he's going to die. And Jesus tells the disciples, he says, hey, guys, you guys are going to desert me. Y'all remember what Peter did? Lord, not me. Not going to happen. I'm going I'm to die with you. What happened? That night, on three different occasions, Peter denies Jesus. Guys, always talking. You're like, don't talk. If you don't talk, even a fool is considered, Proverbs says, a fool is considered wise when he doesn't speak. Okay, so that's Peter. He's always talking. Okay, now in this instance right here, he hits the nail on the head. Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And what does Peter say? He said, you are the son of of the living God. You were the Messiah, the son of the living God. Totally different answer and perspective than the rest of the world. The rest of the world said, you were a ghost. You're a ghost of Elijah. You're the ghost of John the Baptist. Peter said, no, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. How did he know that? It wasn't because he was smarter than everybody else. It wasn't because he had done some, some of his own private investigation. Jesus actually answered the question for him. He said, you know why you know this? Because God in heaven revealed it to you. You know, there are, a lot of, there are a lot of, you'll see scholars, you'll see even people who are involved in, in Christianity who will not accept the fact that Jesus is divine. And you'll hear people say, you know, Jesus never claimed to be divine. His disciples made it up. And Jesus, you know, Jesus just simply, he, he became considered to be divine because of something that was false. Y'all right here, that, this right here puts it to rest. Peter was claiming that Jesus was divine. Now, did Jesus rebuke him for it? He commended him. He said, Simon, you are blessed. You're blessed. He was accepting his identity. Peter made a correct identification as to who Jesus was, but it was because God revealed it to him. I love this. Peter is a messed up, broken guy, and yet God still gave him the most important message that there is. Now, 
I'm going to say this about you. You are all great people, every one of you. But I know this, you are broken and you are messed up, but God reveals the same thing to you. That Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You know, one of our, uh, in our family, uh, it's really Emily and Janie, when I say family. Uh, Emily and Janie, they like the HGTV show um, that's called The Fixer Upper. Y'all heard that? Y'all know that show? Okay, who does, okay, well, who, who, who's the ones, who hosts that show? Y'all know that better than Bible. Yeah, Chip and Joanna Gaines, everybody knows that. Okay, so here's, and it's inter- I think the show's interesting. You watch the show, and they, they can take a house, you know, and you're looking at it on the outside, and you're like, yeah, it doesn't really, I mean, it's not really that attractive, it doesn't do a whole lot for me. And they will do something, like within like a matter of like weeks, they will absolutely transform that house. And you look and go like, how did they do that? I mean, it's so impressive. I mean, it looks so good. Um, and uh, you know, to be honest with you, there's time I'll watch that show and I'll see how they will transform a house. And, and they make it look so easy. I'm thinking, I could do that. We could make a living doing this, Emily. You know, I can't even drive, a, a, I can't even hit a, a, a nail with a hammer, you know, straight. But I'm thinking, we can, we can do, a, we can flip a house. Um, so I, there's one picture I'd found that it's just, so this is an example. They'll take a house at the top. It looks pretty, you know, I guess average. Then you look below it. I'm like, that's a cool house. Now, how, how do they do, how do they do stuff like that? They take something that is very ordinary and they make it extraordinary. That is what God does. He takes, he took somebody like Peter who was very ordinary and yet he shared with him an extraordinary message. You know, one of the reasons why we come into church every Sunday is that so we can share with people this very important message. And that is that Jesus is the Messiah. And we have to do that because the world doesn't give a great picture of who Jesus is. We misidentify him all the time in the world. Good guy, great moral example. He's a guy, he, 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 can, uh, he can give you one of many paths to be able to find God and be able to go to heaven. That's, that's the opinion of the world. You know, we all have opinions. You know, you have your, I'm sure you have opinions about who your favorite, who the greatest football team ever is. You have your opinion on that? I have facts. But you have your opinion. Uh, some of you have your opinion on, uh, you know, certain politicians. Now, let me tell you something. Opinions are fine, but when it comes to Jesus, I, I'm not interested in opinion. I want the truth. And, and that is what God gives to us today. God shares with us the truth. What does God say? God says that Jesus is the Savior of the world. He says that Jesus is the only way to heaven. That Jesus came and he died on a cross and he shed his blood to pay for your debt of sin. And then three days later, he got up and conquered death so that one day you might be able to have eternal life. That is the truth. Now we have different opinions. But I'm not interested in opinion. I want truth. And so here's the question for you and me to answer. Who do you say that Jesus is? Y'all, I'm here to tell you, he is the Messiah. He is the son of the living God. You might say, well, that sounds good, but man, I, I just, I don't think God can do anything with me. Now, that's your opinion. Now, I don't care about your opinion. 
What's the truth? This is what Ephesians 1 tells us. It says, For he, God, chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight and love. He predestined us to be adopted through Jesus Christ for himself according to his favor and will to the praise of his glorious grace that he favored us with the beloved. We have redemption in him through his blood, the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. Do you want to experience the riches of his grace? Do you want to experience the forgiveness of sin? Then you must identify who Jesus is. He is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Now here's what I like for us to do. We can close this way. I always like it when we just have a time where we say, hey, I want to respond to God today. And so if you would, why don't you just bow your head and close your eyes. And, and it could be that there's some of you today who, who maybe you have you have not correctly identified who Jesus is, or maybe you've sold him short like so many of us do, thinking there is no way God could do something in my life. Now I'm here to tell you he can because of who he is. He is the son of the living God. And I'll encourage you, if you would like to call out to him where you're seated, you can pray and you can talk to him and just simply say, Jesus, today I am believing that how you, identify your, how you identify yourself is true. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus, forgive me of my sin, and I will follow you. Be my Lord and Savior. And if you prayed that and called out to him, I'll just encourage you to you take your bulletin out, fill out that contact form in there, and then tear it out, and you put that in the box that's at the back as you leave here today. So we can get you just some information in the mail about growing in a walk with Jesus. Maybe there are others of you as believers today, and you just simply need to take time to tell God, say, Lord, I want to thank you for saving me. I want to thank you for entering into this world because you love me. Today I recognize that you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Jesus, that you want us to know that you are the unshakable messenger because you are God in flesh and you hold all things in your hands. Jesus, I pray that there will be people today who will find their hope and their confidence and trust in you. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we are glad that you came today to worship with us and just want to let you know that next week is Mother's Day. So uh, children and uh, men, in case you forget that, um, that's a good reminder for you that next week is Mother's Day. And so we're going to have just some special things at the church next Sunday. We wanted to show you just a, a brief video about what's happening next week, and then after that, we'll stand and sing our closing song. Mother's Day is next Sunday, and we have a special little gift for all of our ladies. We are excited to worship with you, so invite your mom to join us at Village Church for this very special Sunday.